0: This episode of When in Romance is sponsored by Amazon Original Stories. Regan has always liked people better from afar. Maybe that's why social distancing came so easily. But she doesn't want her grandpa to be alone for Christmas this year, so she heads home to Nebraska bearing gifts of Jello salad. She's forgotten all about Mason, the boy next door. He's all grown up now, and he doesn't mind Regan's prickliness. He might even like it. In a time when six feet is close enough, how long can they keep their distance? From number one best-selling author Rainbow Rowell comes a short, sweet holiday story Prime members read and listen for free. This is a short story from Rainbow Rowell, the number one New York Times best-selling author of Eleanor and Park and a fangirl. It's set during COVID between Christmas 2020 and Christmas 2021, so it's not just Reagan's prickliness that makes her want to keep her distance. The Meat Cute involves a traditional Midwestern green jello salad, which I think we can all picture. There's a holiday Christmas theme throughout. And as a fun fact, Regan is a beloved side character from New York Times best selling YA novel Fangirl, and she's all grown up now. Once again, Prime members can read and listen for free. So check out this new book from Rainbow Rowell. Again, that's If the Fates Allow.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome back to Wedding Romance, where we're going to be talking about a lot of romance today. I am Jess. So much. (laughs) And I am Trisha. And we are recording episode ninety-five on Tuesday, November twenty-third, twenty twenty-one, because Thursday is not a day that we have free.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Recording a little early this week. (laughs) We are recording a part two of our recommendation request episode, and we have a. A lot of questions and a lot of books to get through. Uh, We're feeling ambitious. I think we can do it. But before we do, Jess, we talked um, a few weeks ago, a few episodes ago. Who even knows? Time means nothing. (laughs) About romance cons. And then uh, it just so happened that we got an email probably in the last week or two, about KissCon from Avon Books. They are doing a one-night stand um, sort of virtual event on Saturday, December 4th. Uh, In order to participate, you have to purchase a couple of books from the participating authors uh, through a specifically independent bookstore partner. So we will put the link in the show notes for that. We also got, I thought, some really cool, interesting reflections about cons and why they are useful and important from an author friend of ours, but I forgot to ask that person if we could read their email. So uh, we're going to hold on that and see if we can get that permission. And we will avail you of that wisdom with permission next time around.
1: Yes. And I have noticed a few mostly like single day event type things with multiple authors popping up in my news feeds across the various social medias. So they're not gone, but I think they're changing. So we'll keep an eye on that and see sort of what's happening with that.
0: We will indeed. We'll see. 2022, who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happens?
1: (laughs) Oh, and don't forget to read Sweet Disorder
0: by Rose Lerner.
1: Yes. If you have thoughts, uh, send them to us by December 9th, early evening. (laughs) if you live in the continental united states and uh uh, we will be sure to discuss your thoughts on the air thank you to those of you who have already sent us a few of your thoughts this is this is going to be a fun conversation
0: i mean they all are
1: yeah yeah i think you're right i know what you mean they really (laughs) are every single one
0: yeah uh speaking of fun conversations like I said, we're gonna be we're gonna be rolling through these a little bit more quickly, I think, this this time around. I will, before we get into this, I will say Jess and I were talking a little before we started. There was a lot of overlap in a lot of these questions. So for example, we're gonna talk a lot about books that have either closed door or no sex scenes. We're gonna be talking about different kind of related historical requests that we got. So I would say if you are interested in any of the questions that you hear us talking about early, stick with us for the whole episode, because you might actually hear more that you're interested a little bit further down the line. Great advice. I don't know. Should we give it a shot, Jess? See what we can do here? (laughs) Let's see what we can do
1: here. All right. I'm going to let you read this first question. All right. This question is from Becca. I really love Lissa K. Adams' bromance book club series because she addresses social issues. Do you know of any other authors who do this? I am particularly interested in environmental issues.
0: All right. So we've got a few for you. They're in very different places in the spectrum. So, the Adriana Anders Survival Instincts series is it starts with a novella called Deep Blue, and then the first full length book is called White Out. And they are both environmentally focused. But when I say environmentally focused, I don't mean like someone is trying to recycle more, <laughs> I mean they're trying to avoid bio terrorism, basically. So Deep Blue, like I said, is a novella where someone is trying to like take over a, an oil rig that has been shut down. And there's like very they're, – they're very like romantic suspense-oriented books. Um, like I said, that one's a novella that's a part of a, a, a three set. Um, but you can find that online. The other is Whiteout. That's the first full book in the series. I think I talked a little bit about this one before. It's about a couple of people who are part of a base in Antarctica – And then uh, the research station gets attacked. And so these two people, Angel and Ford, have to try to escape across the barren lands of Antarctica to um, prevent the bad guys, basically, from getting this bioterrorism weapon that uh, someone had discovered in Antarctica. So it's very, like, when we say it's environmentally focused, it is... (gasps) But it's also very much like, oh, no, everything's going to go terribly. Oh, no, no. It seems like they're fine. Oh, what? They just also lost all of their supplies. Like it's it gets it's very (laughs) it's a high blood pressure experience. So so keep that in mind. If you're looking for something that's maybe a little lower blood pressure experience, but also lovely. Open House by Rudy Lang is a book. It's a little bit less environmentally focused exactly. But basically, the conflict in the book is that one of the main characters uh, works for a real estate company that is buying a property that the neighborhood has made into a community garden. So it's technically an illegal community garden. But Ty, who has become kind of the spokesperson for it, is has used it. I mean, they the whole community has used it to really sort of foster growth and neighborliness. And it's really lovely. And Magda's In a situation where she doesn't really want to bust up this community garden, but also it's her job. Mm. And also maybe there are some sparks between her and Ty. So, uh, again, different part of the spectrum, but still kind of an environmental focus is Open House by Ruby Lang. And then I'm just going to give you two more that are social justice oriented or, or social issue oriented, I guess I would say. The Bride Test by Helen Wong is. As our our friend Annika, who is one of our lovely friends and colleagues from Book Riot, always describes this as being really a book about immigration, where the romance is kind of secondary. Mm -hmm. And so that is one where Esme is has come to America, sort of trying to get married so that she can create a better life for herself and for her daughter. There's a lot more to it than that. So definitely take a look. At More of the detail uh, we will obviously link to all of these titles in the show notes. But if you're looking for something that is romance with social issues, there's that one. There's also His Convenient Husband by Robin Covington, which deals with issues of asylum and sort of uh, seeking asylum, being denied asylum, having to get married for convenience, given how much uh, discussion there is around in the United States, at least refugees, refugee issues and what all of that means and who has a right to be where. If you're interested in those kinds of discussions, His Convenient Husband is another one. I will also link to an episode that we did, I want to say summer of 2019. Mm -hmm. Because I remember like where I was, I was traveling at the time. (laughs) uh, That was that has a, a variety of these kinds of titles that are I think it's called a hard-earned HEA because it's you do have to really both fight for the romance, but also there's a lot of fighting for what people believe in. Mm-hmm. So those are the ones I have. Jess, I think this was one that I was mostly just going to rattle off stuff. Yeah. Is there anything you wanted to add on that one?
1: Uh, just a, a general <laughs> note that a lot of stuff that we have discussed here on this fun podcast touches on that. Like There, there are definitely a lot of yeah. very fluffy books that we talk about, but they're books that discuss race relations and mental health and neurodiversity and like all all of these kinds of things that might might not seem like on the surface the books are really talking about that, but a lot of the authors that we talk about really seamlessly fill those in in really interesting ways. So... Trisha had some really great examples of that but you might be able to find more <laughs> as you listen.
0: I mean that's a that's a teaser if I've ever heard one. <laughs> And so that people have a little bit of a break from listening to me uh, for a minute. Do you want to talk about um, one of our sponsors for the show?
1: Yes. And it's actually a sponsor you heard about already. Thanks again to Amazon Original Stories for sponsoring this episode. And I am going to talk about The Marriage Test by Suzanne Redfern. Ava and Justin are about to be married for the holidays, but there's just one thing left for them to do. For generations, engaged couples in Ava's family have traveled into the Everglades to retrieve a rare bird egg and bake it into a wedding cake. I'm not going to ask. Those who succeed live happily ever after. Those who fail are destined for heartbreak. With Ava's beloved grandmother ill, the tradition means more than ever. Can Ava uphold their oldest family ritual before it's too late? Read The Marriage Test, a touching short story, by Suzanne Redfern, the best-selling author of In an Instant. It's a delightfully short and delightful holiday story that can be read or listened to in a single sitting. And Amazon Prime members read and listen for free. So once again, thank you to Amazon Original Stories and The Marriage Test for sponsoring this episode.
0: Hooray! All right, we're going to jump back in. One of the questions that we answered in the last round was from cat but Cat had a couple of others so we're gonna see what we can do for folks who who did send multiple questions, we might be doing fewer titles per question just because we're only human <laughs> uh, so but we we did try to we did try to at least address them as much as possible. So this one from Cat is uh, looking for a romance involving witches and sisters. Maybe witches who are sisters. There's a lot of question marks, which makes me feel like Kat is open, which is helpful because it's a little tricky. <laughs> uh, something like Practical Magic. Bonus if it is set in Miami or Florida. Jess Pride, what do you got?
1: Well, like it's interesting because this year has been quite a year for witches. Like there has been so many witches An outburst of witches. And it's going to be continuing in in 2022. Like there was uh, Witch Please by Anna Geary, The X hex Paybacks of Witch. Um, I think the one coming out next year that I know of is Not the Witch You Marry. I think it's called. (laughs) Or maybe I'm mixing it up. I was just typing it. It's called Not the Witch You Wed. Not the Witch You Wed. I was so close. (laughs) You're so close. That was by uh, April Asher. But the first one that I thought about when I saw... Witches Who Are Sisters is actually a book that's not particularly witchy. And that's A Taste of Her Own Medicine by Tasha L. Harrison. And that book is about a woman who is sort of coming into her own after divorce. She's taking entrepreneurial classes from a man who looks very much like a bespectacled Winston Duke. I mean, there is a lot of ode to thighs in this book. <laughs> But also she and her sisters got this kind of witchy tradition from their family passed down from, you know, healer, herb women kind of in their in their family. And they they have all of these traditions and they practice what some would call ritual and just have this sort of spiritual witchy vibe to them that they use to do other things. And it's it's a really interesting vibe that I haven't seen a lot in fiction. So I would definitely recommend A Taste of Her Own Medicine uh, to anyone who is looking for witches who are not traditional witches.
0: I mean, who doesn't love a witch who's not a traditional witch? Witches of all kinds are welcome here on Winnet Romance.
1: Oh, of course. Absolutely. Uh, yeah,
0: it probably goes with that. So that should basically probably be the subtitle of the show. <laughs> we'll have to int- put it in the intro. And I followed your lead a little bit, Jess, and, and went with a book that is, it's not exactly what, you know, it's not, this is not a practical magic um, read alike, but it is magical sisters, wherein the, the relationship and the family relationship is really, really important. And that's the Hidden Legacy series by Ilona Andrews. It starts with Burn for me. And the way that this series works is that the first three books in the series are focused on one couple. The books that have been written so far focus and shift to a different sister and and her partner. But this is kind of like a little bit of a, I don't know, like urban romance, post-apocalyptic. You know, they live in Houston, so it's not Florida. It is the South, kind of. I don't know. I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of trouble for comparing Florida and Texas. But if you're from (laughs) Washington State, you don't know. So my apologies. But the first one is, uh, these, like I said, these are all sisters who have different powers A significant portion of the population has different various magical powers. And all of that is really interesting. And and if it seems like your speed, you should check into the series. But the thing that made me think about it for this particular question is that even though I I think we've talked about this series a few times on the show, I don't think we've ever talked about how important the familial relationships are. Mm. Nevada, who's the oldest sister um, and who is one of the main characters of the first set of books, feels a lot of responsibility to you know, get the keep their um, private investigation service, um, their kind of detective service that they run, running so that she can support the rest of the family. These are not people who have like all kinds of money. They're trying to problem solve, they're trying to deal with things. And everybody's trying to figure out sort of what their role is and how they can best support the family. So it is about three sisters, their mother and grandmother also live with them. And they have a couple of cousins who are also part of kind of the business and the family. And it's just a really, it does have that that really I think cool and interesting element of relying on each other and and because it is a series that's kind of twists off in a couple of different directions I think you do get some of that background so that's the Hidden Legacy series it starts with Burn for Me and that is by Ilona Andrews all right we also actually I think still from Cat got a recommend or a request for a recommendation for a period romance that does not involve the nobility. Would be lovely to have something more downstairs than upstairs, since it feels like so many period romances involve a duke or viscount. Is it viscount, Jess? Uh, sure, I think that's right. In my head, it's always viscount, <laughs> but I kind of think that might be wrong. Yeah, yeah. So let's just stick with duke or earl. <laughs> let's go with that.
1: And the son of the earl.
0: <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Whatever he might be referred to as. <laughs> All right. What do you What do you have for this one?
1: Well, my immediate thought was The Craft of Love by E.E. E. Ottoman, which is a brief but delightful book about two craftspeople living in Victorian era New York City. And uh, there is not a noble person to be found, not even a visiting duke looking for a wife. It is just about two middle class people um, trying to sell their wares and fall in love and maybe fight for a little bit of justice. For women and other marginalized genders to be able to not only vote, but work and be safe in the workplace and all of that stuff.
0: I like it. Uh, And I will say I have a title for this one. It's not necessarily that it's a downstairs kind of a story, but it is very much about people who are kind of not of the um, ruling class, I guess you would say, Mm -hmm. uh, who are trying to strike out and and. Solve a problem. So, Think of England by K.J. Charles um, takes place in the early 1900s and it features Archie, who has had a military career, has lost, I think he's lost some of his fingers, maybe even a, a hand. So, he has been permanently disabled by this war. He's also lost the lives of friends and others that he was serving with in the military. He is trying to figure out what happened and why this happened. And He has like a little bit of a a theory that either could be a conspiracy theory or could be real. And so he goes to a country estate to try to kind of do a little bit of research and sort of like a little private investigating of his own. And he meets Daniel, who is another guest at this estate. And Daniel is also trying to figure out what is going on and what is going wrong. And the two of them sort of, you know, fall for each other. It is, it's very high stakes, because this is the time when homosexuality and same sex, you know, relations were not allowed. And in fact, were not legal, which is uh, obviously horrifying, but still true. So it it adds to kind of the suspense of it. And it is these two people who are not of the gentry class, I think we sometimes call them, I don't know, that might not be real, Mm -hmm. Uh, who are kind of teaming up to, to try to sort this out. And so I think you do get some of that kind of class dynamic um, without having a Duke or, let's say, Earl as a hero. (laughs) So
1: again, that is Think of England by K.J. Charles. Awesome. We don't really talk much about um, graphic media in women in romance, although there is becoming a greater number of romantic fiction in the graphic format. And one of the ones that I really loved this year is... Patience and Esther by S.M. Cyril. And it is a downstairs story, actually. It's about a maid and the new housekeeper, I think. Under housekeeper, assistant housekeeper, something like that, who um, end up rooming together in a country estate in Victorian England. And it's a very quiet, slow story about um, them getting to know each other and becoming friends and then becoming other so um and it 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 does have like literal graphic sex so just be aware of that especially if you decide to get it and read it in public but it is so sweet and darling and it is one of those downstairs stories that we don't really get a lot of um so it was it was a nice change
0: I like it. Uh, yeah,
1: and you are right. That
0: Maybe that's a thing we should think about covering at some point in 2022. There is, because we did talk about graphic novels and illustrated romance at one point very early on in the show. Mm-hmm. And I think there is vastly more now. So it might be time to revisit. Yes. All right. You want to try to sneak one more in before we do another ad break? Let's do it. All right. Uh, do you want to read this question?
1: You want me to do it? I can read it. Um. So this question is from Jenny. My issue is, I really don't like steamy romance. I'm fine with things like Fade to Black, but quite often I find myself skipping over these types of scenes, and I'm really not comfortable listening to an audiobook with these scenes, since I listen to audiobooks at work now. I'm looking for something without sex on the page. I feel like this is an unpopular opinion, with how hard it has been for me to find something like this. Authors that I've discovered that I've really liked are Alexis Hall, Olivia Dade, sarah desai uzma and uzma Geology. i recently read the second and third books of the well-met series by jen Luca and really dug the renaissance fair setting so trisha what do you got here's the thing so i have a little bit of like
0: not a very long mini rant in the episode notes because i think first of all the rant is not about you jenny or about your question because we get a lot of these and often i kind of feel the same way where unless it's very well done it can be sort of tedious to read about a lot of body parts going into other body parts and people saying sexy or romantic things to each other. <laughs> so I totally get you. But what, the thing that frustrates me sometimes is that there are a lot of books that meet this description that although they are focused on a central couple and the couple has a happy ever after – They don't get marketed as romance because they do not have explicit sex on the page. And so sometimes I think in order to kind of meet these requests, we have to go into the contemporary fiction world, which is infuriatingly often marketed as women's fiction. That is a rant we do not have time for today. (laughs) And there are a lot of really good books that fit in that category, but sometimes they don't get marketed as romance, which is, I think, a little frustrating because I think it it kind of diminishes what romance can be. Or sometimes these books will come out in hardcover as opposed to romance, which which rarely does. So, mm-hmm. anyway, that is the little bit of a rant because we're going to be talking a lot about books without sex on the page today. And now you know how I feel about it, <laughs> and also that, and you also, I think know now why it's a little bit harder to find those books because they're not always classified as romance, they might be classified differently. So one example of that, that is a a really great book that I enjoyed very, very much and was also a little disappointed that it wasn't categorized as romance is Evie Drake Starts Over by Linda Holmes. It is a story of a woman who had planned to leave her husband, and then he died unexpectedly, she's going to basically just stay somewhere else for a while. No, I'm sorry, she lives in Maine. But she is Staying near with and with and sort of hosting someone who needed to just kind of get away. That's Dean, who is a, a baseball pitcher who has uh the yips, which if you are not familiar with, it is a thing that happens to athletes where a thing that they've always been able to do and do very well, they very suddenly cannot do anymore. So Dean has lost his ability to to pitch in the way that he used to. And so he just kind of needs to get away. So he is also in Maine. The two of them are kind of working through their separate issues separately, but also spending more and more time together. And like I said, it's a really lovely story. It is very much a PG or PG-13 kind of a story. And the reason that you may not have come across it is because it probably isn't marketed as romance.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, The other one I will mention, I will just talk quickly about because we've talked about it on the show before. And that's Perfect Rhythm by Jay. One of the main characters is ace, asexual, and not aromantic, I believe. I think she's just asexual. And it's about a a pop star who comes home to help care for her family. She kind of falls for the small town nurse who has also been caring for her father who has had a medical crisis. And because there is ace representation in this book, Holly is uh, the nurse and she is asexual. Jay is very clear about where there is sex in one of the chapters of the book basically, it's like chapter, I don't know what, let's say 12. At the beginning of the chapter, the author says, there is sex in this chapter. If you want to skip it, you won't be missing anything, go ahead to 13. Mm -hmm. So even though there is sex in the book, I appreciated that it was very clear that if that is not your speed, then you can navigate around it. That's mine, Jess. What do you have? That's awesome. And so
1: like, as I, as I try to think more broadly about romances that are either closed door or have no sex, I realize that part of the thing is that I get drawn to these authors who, for whatever reason, tend to write sexier books. And we can get into that another day. That's okay, too. Read what you want. I don't mind the books that don't have sex. It's just some kind of way I never land on them. It's, it's hard to, mm-hmm. I, I don't know why. Um, but one book that I like it's kind of a spoiler, but I was kind of surprised when I got to the kiss almost at the end and was like, wow, they had never kissed before this was His Perfect Partner by Priscilla Olivares. And the entire Match to Perfection series is either um, Fade to Black or No Sex. But this particular one, there is so much chemistry and sensuality between the two main characters who are a workaholic um, single father and his daughter's dance teacher. And they, they just have this relationship that is so wonderful to watch develop that, like, you don't really notice that it is a very emotional development and not a physical one. So that is His Perfect Partner by Priscilla Olivares. The first book of hers that I read, really great, love it. And then one book I had to be reminded was either Fade to Black, Black or Closed Door was Twice Shy by Sarah Hogle, because some of that book was so freaking sexy that I could have sworn that there was stuff, but people have sworn to me that there wasn't stuff. So if you pick that up and there is too much stuff to be stuff for you, uh, I apologize. But anyway, Twice Shy by Sarah Hogle. You've got two people who inherit a mansion together and they have to work together to figure out what to do with it after her great aunt and his former friend and employer dies and leaves this to them with a lot of caveats. So it is very much opposites attract. Um, it is almost enemies to lover, very grumpy sunshine and like also has like has that sensual development of attraction before anything really physical. So if you are interested in that kind of, of romantic development, I definitely recommend Twice Jai by Sarah Hogel.
0: And we'll mention here, too, Jess was um, talking about not even necessarily being able to remember how much sex there is or is not. We talked on an episode earlier this year about the social media hashtag account, accounts, (laughs) does it bang? And there are some some pretty significant caveats to what that means for people and how we talk about sex and think about sex. But I will say it it is both on Instagram and on Twitter. There is an account that will say that basically that is the entire purpose Mm -hmm. of is there sex in this book? Is there not sex in this book? You can research it a little bit more to see kind of what that means for the people who are running those accounts and the way that they are thinking about it. But if you are looking for kind of a shorthand to be able to tell whether there is or is not explicit sex on the page, that is not a bad uh, avenue to, to consider if you need, you know, if, if, if we're before between recommendation request episodes, for example. Yes. All right. Let me do another sponsor because... Guess who's back, Jess? Who is it? It's Sips By. Hooray! I know, right? Is there anything better than curling up with a steamy book and a steamy cup of tea? Sips By makes discovering tea fun, personalized, and affordable. The Sips By box is the only multi brand personalized tea subscription box. Each month, Sips By plays matchmaker to help you discover delicious teas you'll fall in love with. Explore teas from over 150 global brands, big and small, based on your unique preferences. Gift cards and subscriptions, side note, it's the holiday season, <laughs> are available at www.sipsby.com. That is www.sipsby.com. You can subscribe and you'll receive four new teas each month chosen just for you. Each Sips By box includes loose teas, bagged teas, or a mixture of both based on your preference and makes 16 or more cups of tea. Sips By accounts for your caffeine tolerance Flavor preference and even your dietary needs. As we have been talking about, we are very huge fans of Sips by here at When in Romance. Once again, I'm on my last of my three ginger teas. Oh no! I kind of have been holding them mostly for to be able to do these uh, episodes, but they are the ones we record pretty late in Eastern Time Zone, and they're the ones that I have that are caffeine free. Mm -hmm. But I've also been really relying heavily on the Japanese green tea that I got in my Sips by box. It's low caffeine. It, but it's it's like just a nice sort of afternoon tea. I really, I'm not a huge green tea drinker. So when I find one that
1: I like, I'm always very grateful.
0: I don't know, Jess, do you have any teas left or are you all out?
1: I still have all of the ginger teas left because I... I oh, you're missing out. I know. They're so good. I, sh- I like, I keep, I keep not ha- forgetting about them when it's time to have caffeine-free tea. I did, I tried so hard, so hard. To preserve those four bags of black currant blast. Yeah. Alas, it was so delicious, but.
0: Now they're gone. You could order more. I'm going
1: to order some more through the Sips by yeah, website. Go to Sips by. <laughs> yeah. I also
0: think that ginger might be really good for like a post Thanksgiving dinner, to be honest. Oh,
1: that's a good plan. I feel like that's
0: kind of a nice way to like, you know, just kind of settle in after Thanksgiving. I don't know. Something to think about. <laughs> Up to you. All right. To learn more, you can follow Sipsby. That is again, S-I-P-S-B-Y on Instagram for, for weekly get giveaways and more. If you are listening to this podcast, first of all, please appreciate how many fun romance puns there were in this ad spot. That is like my favorite thing about all of these uh, <laughs> Sipsby. They, they really, they go the extra mile. I feel like it's very much for our audience. And if you are listening to this and you are our audience, you can use the code W-I-R- it is for when in romance. But all you have to do is W I R for 50% off your first box at www.sipsby.com. So thank you again to the lovely company Sipsby for sponsoring our show. Yes. All right, back to the books. I'm going to read this one just because I actually haven't read. The book that uh, Casey emailed us about, and they are looking for readalikes. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you mostly handle this one. I have one thought, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna mostly hand it off your way. So, okay. Casey is looking for readalikes for *The Craft of Love* by E. e. Ottoman, which went onto my want to read list the instant I heard of it. I finally read it recently, and I was not all caps disappointed. Competence, characters appreciating each other's competence. Characters with no tolerance for slavery. Men taking women's work seriously. Ben's brother-in-law as well as Ben. Descriptions of running a small trade shop. And then Casey suggested that they should settle down with the exclamation points, which I hope you heard in my voice. <laughs> but you know what I say, Casey? All the exclamation points all the time. All that is the what this time. this is. That's a different subtitle for this uh show, for this podcast. All the exclamation points. <laughs> so, Jess, not only have you read uh this particular book, you've already recommended it on this episode.
1: <laughs> yes, I so. What do you have? Okay. So, a a book you might recall me recommending last time around was The Devil Comes Courting by Courtney Milan. It was the first thing I thought about with competence and characters appreciating each other's competence because it features an entrepreneur who is looking for a brilliant mind to come up with a code that no one else on this earth has been able to complete. And when it's a woman, does it matter? Absolutely not. I will pay you money to come with me on this boat and figure out this code for me. And if we happen to fall in love on the way and send each other sex via um telegraph on a boat, which totally could exist. Uh, well, I mean, I feel like an, someone could build an entire
0: cruise company around that, frankly. <laughs> not to interrupt. I apologize. Not to interrupt. <laughs> that,
1: I mean, I would I would like to see that. I probably wouldn't go on it, but I would like to see it. So that was The Devil Comes Courting by Courtney Milan. Another book that I thought of was Spellbound by Ali Theron, which is a magic in Manhattan kind of thing. It's set in like the roaring 20s. And uh, we've got a person who can do magic and a person who respects magic, but doesn't do it himself. And uh, they have to go on a little adventure and it's very grumpy sunshine. And they work together very well once they stop butting heads. Actually, they don't stop butting heads even when they start working together very well. Um, But it's delightful and charming, and that is Spellbound by Ali Theron. Another book that I thought of that maybe you've read, Casey, is A Duke in Disguise by Cat Sebastian. And that one, yes, there's a whole Duke thing, but it's really centered around a bookstore that is very much the place where the two protagonists and love interests interact and work together and help each other and respect each other and are competent. So that is, I think it's in the middle of a series. Am I right? I think you are right. But I don't think it matters. (laughs) It generally doesn't. No. And that one does involve like a secret Duke plot. He's like He discovers that he is actually going to be a duke because he inherited a very distant relative's dukedom. But the most important part is the literature and the bookshop and the friendship that becomes something different.
0: And it is number two in a series. So you are right, Jess, mid-series.
1: Right, okay. So read the whole series, but particularly read that one. Um, and finally, Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole, which is a... Oh, gosh, what is that? What is that era called? Suffragette era book. And the main character is a woman who basically wants all black women to succeed, teach them the laws so that when the vote comes around, they know what they're voting for. Doesn't matter if they're prostitutes or housewives or um numbers runners or whatever, just like, Make sure this can happen. She's also a fantastic dancer, but there is a guy who has Indian heritage who sees her dancing and is like, That's not how you do it. I'm going to teach you how you do it. And they end up, you know, falling in love because this is wind and romance. Um, but it is a delightful book and it's also pretty brief. So you could probably read it in one sitting, like I imagine we both did. With the craft of love. So that is Let Us Dream by Alyssa Cole.
0: I'll also just shout out Let It Shine by Alyssa Cole, which is a civil rights era, also novella. So something else worth considering. You know, basically the entire Alyssa Cole canon. But if we're trying to narrow it down, (laughs) those are a couple of good ones. And I will mention we've talked a lot about the Brother Sinister series by Courtney Milan on this show, but there is, you know, the first book in that series, The Duchess War, is has a lot to do with worker rights. The second book has to do a lot with the humane treatment of people dealing with medical issues and mental health issues. Later books deal also with the suffrage movement. So that's another series that might be worth checking out. If in case you haven't gotten enough Courtney Milan (laughs) from this show over the course of time. (laughs) Jess Casey is also interested in solar punkish romance. What Casey likes about solar punk is the hope, the potential blueprint for the near future, the communal HEA. They're looking more for inclusivity because the future has to include all of us. 100% agree, Casey. And also, I have nothing for you, but Jess had a lot of all caps words. So I think I'm just going to hand this one off for you, Jess. What, what, all, what, what do you have to tell us in all caps? <laughs>
1: poor Tricia had to see this in our notes. It just says I enjoy it. Here for it. Verbatim. Please, dear God, someone write this. I can't find any anywhere and it's all I want. All the romance of the future is civil war and darkness. Like, seriously. Correct. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Anytime I thought of something that was like, what is the world like in the near future when we've come together to figure out our differences? No, it's Everything's gone wrong, and the people left have come together to figure out their own differences. Which is very much not what you are describing, Casey. And I want it so badly, and I need someone to give it to me. The closest thing I could come to was Strange Love by Anna Geary. And it is actually an alien romance. So the main character is accidentally kidnapped. Like, legit accidentally. He the alien thinks he's doing something and something else happens anyway and mistakes happen it's fine mistakes happen and they arrive on the aliens planet and it is very much this environment that you describe so i was think i could imagine that happening in that world that i wanted to see on this one But of course, they have all of this advanced technology and advanced thinking, although their advanced thinking has its setbacks and it's still a little hierarchical, etc, etc. But it is a look at a potential future. And it's also just like the perfect space book. I don't know why, but something about it is just really great. And that's Strange Love by Anna Gary, which is not solar punkish, but worth reading if you're looking for something to offer you that feeling.
0: All right. Because I am relatively useless to Casey, I'm going to read this next one and we're going to do another quick rec. Casey had a lot of questions, so so we're going to see what we can fit in here. Yes. All right. Casey's also looking for books or fix with descriptions of how it feels to dance when you really love dancing. All of those words were capitalized, which I really appreciate. <laughs> Casey has read, Alexis Darius, take the lead and dance all night, both of which kind of do this, but not to the extent that they were hoping and Jess, I'm just going to let you jump right in here because I'm not a dancer. I got nothing for you on this.
1: Okay, so one book that really stood out to me that is more about this sort of professional feeling like the like Take the Lead is Pas de Deux by Lynn Turner, and the um, main character is a dancer. She's a prima donna, like a legit, like the best dancer, one of the best ballet dancers in the world. She's done things with Paris Ballet. She's done things all over. And she's looking for her next thing. Like she's just finished her crowning achievement. And she's approached by someone who was once in that world. But he's decided to write a musical that involves a lot of dance and all of that. And he approaches her to be his star. So... There's the opening scene is, is her either rehearsing or actually performing ballet. And then later, there are more and more dance scenes. And it's just like, you can feel the joy in the dance coming off the page, even though there's a lot of other stuff happening in the book. Um, so that was the main one that I think would really would really appeal to you. One that I wanted to throw out because it had this kind of amateur dance feel to it was The Charm Offensive by Alison Cochran, which I read very recently, which is why it stood out to me that like it's very much not about dancing. It's actually about a guy who goes on a bachelor style show who actually has social anxiety and doesn't like to be touched and the producer with depression who is the only person who can really figure him out. But there are a couple scenes where they're like at a nightclub or at a party and like the feeling of dancing is there. Like you could, it's almost visceral when they're talking about dancing and the joy and the feeling of it. So I just wanted to throw that one there. And then because you asked about Fix, I wanted to send you in the direction of Kick Off Your Sunday Shoes by Leah Scully. Um, it is actually a, 10-year-old Avengers fic where Steve and Natasha go swing dancing a lot because, you know, when you're pulled out of the 40s into the early 2000s, you know, what better way than to go swing dancing with a bunch of people from your era? So those are my dance books.
0: (laughs) All right, we're going to sneak one more in for Casey. And that is the Casey's looking for... Polyamorous romance with a focus on the relationships, not just or mostly the sex. I will say there is a Katie Roberts series that actually it was someone from when in romance. I think I, I think it might have been Becky. I feel bad. I don't remember exactly who turned me on to it's called the Twisted Heart series. And it starts with theirs for the night, which is a novella. And the other two books are, are full length. But it's about a woman who ends up, you know, going out for her birthday, being at a club. And meeting two very handsome men who are, you know, in an intimate relationship with each other and who are interested in maybe bringing her into it. I will say the first book is very much less focused on the relationship. It really is just about what happens in this one night. But what you find out in that book, and then um, which gets vastly expanded on in the other two books, is that those two men are one, a prince who has been cast out of his country and so is just hanging out in the US trying to figure out what to do and how to deal with it and the bodyguard and you know lover slash partner of that person so there's like a lot of conspiracy there's a lot of like how do we get this person back on the throne things kind of take a lot of different you know paths but so I would like I said theirs for the night which is the first is really really is kind of more about the sex but forever theirs which is the first full length book in the series um, is more about the relationships as is The third book in the series, There's Ever After. So I will link to that series, Polyamorous, Focused on the Relationships. Jess, you had some for this one too.
1: I did. And since I want to throw out several, I'm going to give you the most basic description of what they are. So first, we've got Harbor by Rebecca Weatherspoon. It's the last in the series, but you can read it on its own. It's about a woman whose um, fiance is murdered and... The other person who's murdered with them is the girlfriend of a couple, a male couple, who in the future after that, ask her if she's interested in joining them as a third. So that's Harbor by Rebecca Witherspoon. It's about a lot more than that. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of angst, but there's also really interesting relationship development. A whole series that I think really is about the relationships is Holly Trent's Plot twist series. The first one is Writing Her In, which is more another one of those books where, like, a person and a partnered pair come together. Um, but the other books in the series have more interesting dynamics between the three people. Neighborly by by Katrina Jackson is about two people who live in a conjoined duplex, they can hear each other having sex on the other on either side of the wall and the two women are the ones who find each other attractive physically and emotionally so it's about it's mostly about their relationship but also each of their relationships with their male partners um and how that evolves and then finally i'm going to talk about behind these doors by jude lucens which is edwardian actually and when we start there is the central character who is in a relationship with a married couple and uh who has a new crush on, I think he's a journalist. And so it's mostly about the new relationship, but also about the dynamics of the old relationship and the relationship between the um husband and wife that he's in a relationship with. So... <laughs> There was a I have said relationships so many times in the last three minutes and wow. Um but they are all really interesting, fascinating takes on polyamory that I'm not gonna say have aren't about the sex because they're all kind of in that category of erotic romance where the sex is part of the plot, but it's not the only thing that is centered in the story.
0: I'm gonna let you grab some water and a breath. Uh, And I will read this question that we have from Magdalene. Uh, Magdalene says, hi, I've been getting into romance for the past couple of years. Hello and welcome from Trisha. Uh, But as someone who identifies as demisexual, I have a hard time finding books that hit the right spot for me. I love swoony romantic moments, but whenever sexual or physical attraction plays a big part in the romance, I'm not very interested because I can't relate. I like friends to lovers, slow burn, pining, smitten characters. Smitten is the best. And normal-looking characters. I'm not a fan of friends with benefits, irresistibly sexy characters, or anything that could be described as steamy. I'd love a romance that makes me want to read and squeal over any interaction, but with less lusting or sex on the page. Totally get it. I completely understand where you are coming from, Magdalene. I've got a couple of options for you. The first is If I Loved You Less by Tamson Parker. Mm -hmm. It's an Emma retelling that takes place in modern day and in Hawaii. And you get, I will say, you get all of the frustrating characters of Emma in Theo, who is kind of just interested in sort of surfing and um, arranging people's lives and love lives for them, as Emma has, you know, the, the reputation for doing. I will also say one of the things that, that threw me at first about this book is that there is a little bit of an age gap between the Emma character and the nightly slash, if you are more familiar with Clueless uh, Paul Rudd character <laughs> there's like a 14 year difference and in the book Emma it's actually 17 years so you know yeah it's
1: I was gonna say it's closer than the original
0: yeah mm-hmm. yeah and like Emma is like he's she's like 20 and he's I think like 37 in this book at least it's a 25 and 39 year age difference but The object of of Theo's affection is actually a a longtime family friend who is a baker, also a woman. So it is a a queer retelling of Emma. And uh, Tamsyn Parker even says, I think, in the dedication, I hope you like this, mom and dad, because this is the only book I'm going to write with no sex probably ever. (laughs) So I really liked that one. I just read it recently and enjoyed it a lot and thought of it right up uh, when you mentioned this. I'll also mention The Preacher's Promise by Piper Hughley, which we've talked about on this show. It's a historical very slow burn. That one is more of an enemies to lovers kind of a of a book. But what made me think of it was when Jess and I were, were asking some of our Book Riot friends and colleagues about their favorite books without sex on the page. Sweet Tea, also by Piper Hughley, came up as one that folks really, really liked this year. So we
1: will link to those in the show notes. Awesome, Jess, what do you got? Well, the first book that came to mind for me, um, in part because the character, although she never says the word, is demisexual, is The Love Hypothesis by Ali Hazelwood, which has become wildly popular um, <laughs> over the past few months. Yeah, it's been huge. Yeah, it's, like I wasn't expecting it. And all of a sudden, I, like I should have been expecting it because of where it was born from. But it, it still surprised me. Although, I don't know why it surprised me because I devoured it I was up until like three o'clock in the morning wrote a like mental haze fantasy haze kind of review and then you know cocked out but this book is a relatively slow burn fake dating relationship between a professor and a grad student he is not her professor I promise it's okay but she talks a bit a bit about her demisexuality, like I said, not using those words. There is a bit of lust and sexy bits, but it's late in the book, you could probably skim it if you really wanted to. But the the whole book itself is just delightful. And it has a lot of those really great tropey elements that um, you enjoy. So that's the love hypothesis. And another book that has a demisexual main character who claims the word and uses it that also has sex in it, but most of said sex is actually descriptions from his love interests, uh Monster Erotica, when they go to a reading. Um You could skip that too, if you really wanted to, but it's kind of hilarious because it's really bad sex. And... It's How to Be a Movie Star by TJ Clune. I honestly don't remember if I said the title or not, but it is a... You did not. We were all waiting in suspense. Sorry.
0: I mean, I wasn't because <laughs> I knew, but...
1: <laughs> I, I, You know how I get, I'm just like, let me tell you all about this. Oh, what's it called? I forget. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah.
0: Who wrote it? Who knows? It doesn't matter, but it actually does.
1: But this particular one is How to Be a Movie Star by TJ Klune. The first book in that series, How to Be a Normal Person, might actually not have sex in it, but I haven't read it, even though I've been meaning to for years. The main character in that one is asexual, so I can't tell you whether or not it has the sexy bits, but it might have more of what you're looking for as a reader. Um, and I also wanted to throw out Lean on Me by Pat Simmons. I am reading it right now, so I can't guarantee anything, but it is a faith-based novel, I guess you can call it. It doesn't, it doesn't center a whole lot of religious proselytizing, but the main characters are believers, I guess you can call it. And Pat Simmons, in a lot of her taglining is she calls herself a Christian romance author. But the story itself is a really interesting book featuring two people who are definitely not fans of each other when they meet, and they sort of butt heads and clash for a very large part of the book actually even as they find each other interesting it's like there's something about her but god i can't stand her um so it's it's kind of that kind of relationship as opposed to a lengthy lustful one so like i said that one was lean on me by pat simmons
0: all right so our next questions are our next two are from alex and I think we can do the first one pretty quickly because Alex is, quote, writing with two requests for the holiday season. First, my mother-in-law. She's just branched into romance from crime and mystery. She likes low heat or closed door. She skips the steamy scenes. Since we've talked about a few of those, I think we can do this pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Not sure what to get her for the holidays, so any recommendations? The only author that I would mention that a lot of the books of that person are low heat or no heat that we haven't talked about is Sonali Div. Who I would say maybe Incense, and Sensibility, which came out this year. I really also enjoy Recipe for Persuasion and Pride, Prejudice, and other flavors. The whole series has been a lot of fun for me. But if I'm remembering right, Incense and Sensibility, which is obviously a take on Jane Austen's Sense and Sensibility, which features Yash uh, Rajay, who is running for governor of California. The Rajay family, if you have not read the series, is like very, has a lot of money and power and. You know, they're kinda they're kinda doing their thing and Yash is having panic attacks. So he has to go back to an old family friend who he has a little bit of history with, India Dashwood, to help him do stress management. She is deeply um, involved in yoga. Uh she's helping him kind of navigate this issue that he's dealing with. These books have so much, they're like a lot of soapy drama. Sometimes they're also a lot of trauma. So if that is a thing that you need to be cognizant of, please do please do be aware of that. So it's not really so much in the crime and mystery realm. But it is in the realm of plot and story beyond the romance. So I would keep an eye out for any of the of that series by Simile Dev. But Incense and Sensibility is one to maybe offer your mother in law.
1: And interestingly enough, the author that I thought of, to respond to this question it's also of uh, South Asian descent, either of the books by Zma Jaluddin. The first one was Aisha at Last, which is a take on Pride and Prejudice that takes place in modern day Toronto. And it has a lot of food too. Um, <laughs> and uh, her most recent, book Hana khan carries on is kind of a take on you've got mail with a few other things also very foodie there's there's a lot of hungry in this question i guess yes very true and both of them are very delightful i want to say practically chaste <laughs> um but mm-hmm. also very funny so they would be worthwhile books to check out for your mother-in-law all right,
0: getting into the home stretch now. We got like three left, so stick with us, everybody. We got uh, this. another one from Alex. Yeah, we totally have it. <laughs> another one from Alex. Secondly, and selfishly, I'd like to ask for some recommendations from me. I love Sarah McClain, Tessa Dare, and Scarlett Peckham in historicals, and Rebecca Weatherspoon, Jen DeLuca, and Talia Hibbert in contemporary. Same, Alex. Mm-hmm. Same. Uh, I've been trying to branch out and try non-English slash England historicals, um, as well as some more magical slash fantasy romance. Prefer enemies to lovers, sunshine grump, and a well-written high heat moment, but I'm an adventurous reader and I'm always up for anything. High five for that, Alex. I took the historical route on this and... I will mention Wild Rain by Beverly Jenkins, which is a Sunshine Grumpy pairing that I talked about earlier this year. I'm not going to go too far into it because we are short on time and I did mention it, but I will say the thing that appealed to me about this one because Sunshine Grump is not usually my thing, but when the Sunshine is a male main character and the Grumpy is a female main character, I am suddenly much more interested. And Wild Rain is one of my favorite books that I read this year. So take a look at that one. The other one I will mention for the non-traditional... History kind of side of this is the Hidden Blade and My Beautiful Enemy duology. It's called The Heart of Blade duology. It's by Sherry Thomas. If you're not interested in reading both, The Hidden Blade is really just the precursor. It kind of sets up the history that you need for My Beautiful Enemy, which is kind of just like a a spy and, you know, hidden secrets there's just like there's a lot happening i'm doing a great job of explaining it (laughs) as i can tell but there is a there's a lot of mystery a lot of kind of chasing things around the world but Catherine blade is a sort of a spy she's kind of trying to find some different things she happens to get reunited with a childhood you know friend slash kind of love interest although they were very young So anyway, there's a lot of espionage, there's a lot of being spies, there's a lot of trying to figure things out. And because it takes place sort of more in the Eastern Hemisphere, some of it is in London, but it's definitely not your typical Regency style, historical fiction. So I would say if you're only gonna read one, read My Beautiful Enemy by Sherry Thomas, but feel free to read The Hidden Blade, which is the first in the duology.
1: Well, I took the fantasy side. And The first one that I thought of was A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Milla Vane, this whole series, actually, especially if you're in the mood for a real doorstopper of a book. This is a literal enemies to lovers story, like the two main characters are on opposite sides of warring factions in this fantasy world, and they form an alliance because there's somebody who's worse. And... There is a lot of world building and fantasy to it, but also their relationship at the core develops in really interesting ways. And this one is really gritty. Like you can go to Mila Vane's website and see all of the content notes for it. But then other books in the series have completely different feelings, even though they're set in the same world. Um So that's A Heart of Blood and Ashes by Mila Vane. And I will... Definitely recommend you check out Spellbound, which I mentioned a couple questions ago, um, with the magic and the sunshine grump and and all of that. And because you said you are an adventurous reader, I had to throw out one more recommendation for you, and that is Morning Glory Milking Farm by C.M. Nacosta. If you are on uh, Twitter or were on Twitter a couple months ago, this was a weirdly viral book like one person read it and then three more read it and then three of their friends read it It was like this book is hydra (laughs) and and so this book is set in a world where there are humans and there are creatures living together in harmony ish and um, the main character gets a really lucrative job at morning glory milking farm And her job is to work as a milking technician milking minotaurs because minotaur semen is a key ingredient in some pharmaceutical. So that's the setup. But it is actually a very sweet, darling relationship that also has some really steamy bits between a human woman and a minotaur man. So Morning Glory Milking Farm by CM Nacosta.
0: And also, please let us know what you think about it, if you
1: read it. I I, I really want to
0: (laughs) know. Yeah, I'd like to know if Jess's read on what is an adventurous reader is correct or not. (laughs) I'm sure it is, because Jess is good at everything. But I still want (laughs) to know. All right, I'm going to kind of summarize our next question is from another Megan. But this one is well, I'm actually not going to give the spelling because I don't we don't have the permission. Uh, But it's a little bit of a different spelling, Mm -hmm. which I think is cool. Uh, I'm going to summarize it because Megan was a romance reader when they were in uh, middle school, read a lot of the old um, school titles that we would know by like Danielle Steele, Amanda Quick, V.C. Andrews, if that even counts as romance, according to Megan's email. And it sounds like, oh, in large part due to the podcast, we actually got a lot of people talking about how they got into romance or got back into romance because of the podcast, which side note was like my favorite thing about reading email all year. So thank you for that. Yes. Yes. Sorry, I got distracted. Um, but Megan is desperately looking for the low stakes drama and satisfying conclusion of an HEA. Megan loved the Brown Sisters trilogy by Talia Hibbert. Um, I've been searching for something esteemy steamy, yet also adorable and funny. Also liked Baron Uncle Bastards and Sarah McLean's other books. Looking for... Oh, mentioned that Megan is also more interested in a book if the protagonist is fat, even if the cover doesn't match the description in the text. Megan prefers that the sex scenes be included rather than skipped over. This is like so much detail and also so much being open to things. So, Megan, thank you for this Mm -hmm. email. I'm very excited about it. Jess, I'm going to let you go first on this one because I feel like people are probably tired of hearing my
1: voice. They could never be. I never am. I mean, I don't know. It's been 95 episodes. They very well might be. So um, the first book that I want to talk about is The Fastest Way to Fall by Denise Williams. And this is a darling story where the meet cute involves a fitness app, <laughs> actually, um, where two people meet Aww. on a fitness app because she is a journalist who, she is fat, has decided to try out this new app and talk about it because the company claims to be incredibly body positive. And he is the CEO of said company who is just in a funk. And his co-CEO is like, you should take on some clients. And he ends up taking her on as a client and they develop a friendship through working together and it evolves into something else. And that's the fastest way to fall. And I have so many words that I could say about this book that, you'll want me to shut up. So I'm just not going to say any more because if I start, I won't stop. Just I'm just going to tell you how much I loved this book, which was kind of unexpected because I'm not usually drawn to fitness plots in books, especially um, when one of the main characters is fat. But the author is fat. She really considered it. She really thought about how to present it and does it incredibly well, like killed it. So good, read it. And another one which has probably fallen on your radar, or maybe you've heard us talking about it, is Spoiler Alert by Olivia Dade, which I think, Trisha, did you talk about last time? I did not, but it has definitely come up on the show. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, I, there's so much memory in, in my brain yeah. trying, to, <laughs> trying to process Who talked about what, when? And I've probably talked about it too. The sequel or the second book in that series, All the Feels, actually just came out a couple weeks ago. Um, And they are both incredibly wonderful stories. Sexy, lovely, sweet, all of those things about really strong, self-aware, fat characters who have to deal with standard size, very hot movie stars, um, so, or uh, not movie stars. They are both stars of a Game of Thrones type show. But there's also really interesting fun with um, fan fiction and fandom in general and that kind of thing. So if you have not yet read spoiler alert, I recommend you check that one out because it is just so delightful.
0: Hooray. Uh, and I will give you If the Boot Fits by Rebecca Weatherspoon. It is steamy. It is adorable. It is low-stakes drama. And the main character describes her, I, I know it's described as plus-size. I don't remember if she ever refers to herself as fat, but she definitely does not have the body type that we might see in a lot of film and television. On Like, it's unfortunate that we don't see more representation, but Rebecca Weatherspoon's books often do have a lot of great representation. It's It's a Cinderella retelling, but instead of an epic night of dancing that involves someone leaving a shoe behind. It starts with an epic one-night stand in which one character accidentally steals the other character's Oscar <laughs> unintentionally. And because it's romance, it doesn't just stop at one night. It doesn't just stop at one day. It continues on, and it is satisfying and lovely. That whole series is great. But if the boot fits, uh, is a good place to start. I will also just mention Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall because it is adorable and funny and lovely. One of the best books I've read in the last few years and like one of the few that made me like actually laugh out loud. Mm -hmm. Luke and Oliver are kind of in sort of a, a fake relationship for a while and then of course doesn't continue to be fake dating. And I would read that one, you know, sometime in the next few months because there's actually a sequel called Husband Material that is coming out next year. So read Boyfriend Material by Alexis Hall is my recommendation. Excellent. Um. So Jess, we're down to the last one. We have another Megan. We have another Megan. I'm very excited about it. You, Why don't you read this one? You have I've been monopolizing all the question reading.
1: Okay. Megan says, hi. I hope it's not too late to get a recommendation in for the Holiday Rec episode because last year's recommendations for my friend and cousin were huge successes. We are so glad to hear that. So glad. Welcome back. Yay! (laughs) This year is a bit trickier. It's for my dad. He is not a huge reader, but he absolutely loves Hallmark Christmas movies. I was thinking perhaps a contemporary holiday romance on audiobook might be just the thing. Please, close door. I don't need to have those convos with my dad. What do you got?
0: Okay, this one is a little tricky because it is hard to find a holiday romance that is closed door. So I would say to Megan, maybe think about some of the other closed door romances that we recommended elsewhere in the show that are, you know, fun and soapy and dramatic and kind of fit the hallmark seal anyway. That said, I just finished The Christmas Escape by Sarah Morgan. There's like two paragraphs of slightly more explicit description of what is happening between two people. But by and large, it's more on kind of the contemporary fiction side. It's there are a couple of different relationships that are kind of the focus of the book, but it does it fits more on the contemporary fiction, like I said. So it is it's kind of romance, but it very much fits in that hallmarky kind of realm. But again, you have to be sort of okay with a couple of paragraphs that are a little more explicit in the book. I'm gonna let you decide your mileage on that one. We actually also posed this one to our friends and colleagues over at Book Riot. And uh, it was mentioned that Holly Jolly Diwali by Sonia Lali is another holiday themed book that is entirely closed door. So I have not actually read that one, Jess. I'm not sure if you have either, Mm -hmm. but our other Book Riot folks really liked it. So that's another one to keep in mind. Uh, And both of those are on audio. So hopefully
1: that's helpful. Jess, I think this one was a little bit tricky for you as well. This was, and the first thing I thought of that is like a really great example of something that should be adapted to a film, hit, hit, Netflix, Lifetime, Hallmark, whoever. <laughs> is Royal Holiday by Jasmine Guillory. And if you are not familiar with Royal Holiday, it is the fourth book in a series, but you can really read it on its own. And it's about an older woman, Vivian, whose daughter is asked to come to England for the holidays to be a, what do you call it? Stylist for someone who might resemble someone with initials M.M., And her daughter invites her to come along with her so that they can still spend Christmas together. And Vivian sparks up a a relationship-ish type thing with the Queen's personal secretary. And they have a lovely holiday period together. And like... It's been a while so I did do some flipping through and while the characters have sex it is very much either off the page or so nondescript that it'll just go right by and your dad might not even notice, Megan. But it is a delightful book and it especially since it features older characters. So that is Royal Holiday. I was really sad to realize that a Princess for Christmas wouldn't qualify for this because it's a delightful, very hallmarky book. Like there is a literal princess of a fake European country who gets picked up by a New York cabbie and they just, you know, go about their hallmark business of falling in love. But it very much bangs. It it bangs so hard. You might enjoy it, but maybe either like throw it at your dad and run away and hide for a few days Or, you know, just hold on to it for yourself. (laughs) And who wrote that one, Jess? That was Jenny Holiday, I think. Yes, Jenny Holiday. All
0: right, that's it. We did it. We've talked about over 50 books, I counted as we were going. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we still, I mean, and we're, we're over an hour, but we're under an hour and a half. But either way, we have to give... As always vast and unconditional praise and thanks to uh, Jen our wonderful fantastic and incredibly patient wonderful. audio editor.
1: We we love you we appreciate you and don't know what we do without you Jen. It is very true
0: and all of you should know that you would not be hearing about these 50 plus books <laughs> if it were not for Jen. So Please do find us on email, social media. Let us know. If, if you sent us a request and you did not hear it addressed on either this episode or the one before, please let us know that and we'll see if we can get back to you. We think we caught them all. We had a few that came in in the last couple of days that unfortunately we weren't able to get to. So we'll try to get to over email within the next few days. But if you sent your email before, say, like November 20th and did not get a response, just send us a note and we'll make sure that we refind it and we will send something to you. Don't forget to read Sweet Disorder by Rose Lerner. We're talking about that next time around. But I don't know, rate and review this episode because (laughs) we're actually very interested in knowing how you feel about our recommendations uh, for all of your requests. Yes. What are we
1: we missing, Jess? If you heard some of these requests and were like, I have the perfect book for that person and we didn't say them, tell us. (laughs) And we will mention them either directly to the person who requested it or on a future episode. But, you know, we love to actually get request- get recommendations from you all. So if you have any, definitely send them our way. Yeah, there were at least two,
0: if not three books and series that I talked about on this podcast that I know about because of When Romance listeners. So this goes both ways. And I am so, so grateful for it. Yes. Uh, be ready. Everybody, like, please, please just click into the show notes because it is going to take a very long time to put those together. <laughs> and I, I just need everyone to like take... 30 seconds and admire all of the many books that are in the show notes for this episode <laughs> so
1: many books and if you want to talk about them with us email us at when romance at bookriot.com or find us on social media
0: you can find me on instagram at trisha haley brown a little bit once in a while on twitter at the same handle
1: and i am on twitter at jess reading all one word and on instagram at jess underscore is underscore reading all
0: right we will leave you back to go about your your holiday, Cyber Monday, etc. business. But thank you for putting up with us and listening to this epic, very long episode of When in Romance.
1: Yes. And uh, hopefully for all of you, whether you sent in a request or not, happy reading.